Sports betting season is in full force. You need a sportsbook with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may already know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sportsbook industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. That is BetUS.com. They have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 800-69-BETUS. That is 800-MY-BETUS. And you will receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using the bonus code 5. That's the word 5, F-I-V-E. They also have re-up and referral bonuses as well. Follow my lead and open an account with BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS. Welcome to 3 Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf and Simon. Welcome to another edition of Three Yards to Carry. I'm Alfredo Arteaga. Simon Clancy is here with me. Chris Kaufman will be here for the second half of the show. As always, we are brought to you by Manscaped. Use the promo code 5RSN and get 20% off your entire order. We're, you know, we're getting very close to the holiday season. So nothing says the holidays as more than 20% off in products to shave your balls, Simon. I mean... Nothing says Thanksgiving like a hairless nutsack. Yes, absolutely. So, so yeah. So when you're having your turkey and, and your gravy and your potatoes on Thursday and you're giving thanks for, for your health or for whatever success you've had, also give thanks that you have a hairless nutsack. <laughs> All right, Simon. I was watching this game on Sunday and I went from excited to completely annoyed. <laughs> okay. To pleasantly surprised. That was my, my roller coaster in that game because I was, I love that first drive. I, I hate that our offense keeps doing this thing where they just fall asleep for about, there's like a block of about 25 minutes in the middle of the game that they do absolutely nothing. Okay. Mm. And they just put the defense out there over and over and over again. Then they come alive. I thought, of course, you have that 65-yard touchdown, which was – and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I love that six-minute drive at the end of the game. Like, that's how you win football games in the NFL. And I, and I don't care it's the Jets. The Jets, you know, managed to turn over Ryan Tannehill twice in the fourth quarter to beat him. Okay? Joe Burrow threw an interception against the Jets in the fourth quarter as well. We did not do any of that stuff. Game got cl- got got close. We got a touchdown. We went and we got the second score by killing the last six minutes of the game with the four-minute offense. I was very, very surprised, pleasantly surprised by that. And no matter how you slice it, you win one game, you win one game. You win two, that's two in a row. You win three, that's a winning streak. They got a winning streak. What was your roller coaster dr- uh, ride in this game? Was it like mine? You went from happy to annoyed to pleasantly surprised. Um, I wouldn't say pleasantly surprised. I mean, it was, uh, you know, uh, one pretty bad team beat an even worse team. Really, I thought that the opening drive was good. I thought the Dolphins were awful for the rest of the first half, um, and I thought they were better in the second half and, and did enough to win, made enough plays to win. The drive at the end was 
was decent. Um, but, you know, they, you know, they're giving up massive plays to Joe Flacco, who was kind of picking them apart at times. And, you know, three missed field goals and uh, the interception deep in Dolphin territory after the great Brandon Jones sack. And, you know, the Jets were hanging around and hanging around and hanging around. I mean, I think uh, there's a really interesting thing about Brian Flores and his teams, which is, I think you look at the um, you look at the last drive before halftime that finished with a missed field goal by Jason Sanders, and I think this is a really interesting kind of dichotomy of where we are with the Dolphins right now. And certainly when it comes to in-game coaching, Dolphins got the ball back at around the fifty-yard line with a minute or a minute ten. I think it was a, a, a round minute, and all three timeouts, and they somehow managed to botch that drive so spectacularly. Like they sort of threw a pass for sort of six yards on first down, called a timeout, then ran on second down, called a timeout. And already you've got your two timeouts down and they're about 48 seconds. And you're just like, what What are you doing? Like what's happening? Then they found themselves in a, in a really, essentially they had a, they had a third down on that drive, which was converted by Gaskin and had to call their final timeout. It was such a badly, it was so bad. It was such bad time management. It was such bad game management. It was such bad uh, play calling. I found that really frustrating because this was an opportunity to put the, you know, put the the foot on the throat before halftime, and they just really didn't do it. And they didn't do it not because the the players didn't play very well. It was just such ridiculous game management from Flores and his and his coaching staff, and it really fucking annoyed me, as yes. you can tell. And I just thought it's just really you you let bad teams hang around long enough, they'll come back and bite you on the ass. That's what happened against the Jaguars. That's what happened against the Falcons. And unfortunately, like I said, they made enough plays in the second half to get it done. But it's stuff like that that re- I find really frustrating because it's like, can we not just win a game going away comfortably? You know, you've kind of got to get into this situation of we play down to bad teams. You know, we've done that. We play up against, you know, regardless of what the Raiders' situation is right now, you know, three weeks ago, they're five and two, you know, pre the Gruden thing, pre the Henry Ruggs thing. You know, Derek Carr's been talked about as an MVP. Well, we went to their house and, and, and should have beat them in overtime. You know, had enough chances, had a couple of bad calls that went against us. So, you know, we hang around with generally we play well against good teams. Obviously the Baltimore defeat is a, you know, same with Tampa Bay, but th- there were extenuating circumstances, mainly called Jacoby Brissett, but we, we play down to bad talent and, and that's a frustrating thing. But that, that just that drive really annoyed me because it was just like, what, what are you doing? A high school coach would call it better than the way that you've, you've called it. here. You wasted two timeouts in about 12 seconds to gain like, eight yards or so. It was just so ridiculous. I mean, there's no excuse for Sanders missing the 31-yard field goal or whatever, it was 32-yarder. But nevertheless, um, yeah, that really annoyed me. But yeah, I mean, the Dolphins did enough. They made enough plays in the second half. They got good play from the players they needed to get good play from. Defense played okay. Stiffened up a bit in the second half. Offense played okay. Um, yeah, it was it, it was what it was. I didn't expect anything more than a Dolphins win, and that's what we got. Yeah, and and they also left uh, they left some points on on the board uh, sure. on that on that drive. They could have easily gone for the touchdown, and they, it it would have hit 
their the metric that we wanted them to hit, which was 30 points. So they were there to get. They also had 70 yards of offense called back on offensive pass interferences that we can't find today. Although there is some video that kind of shows Waddle using his hands to try to get separation, but you know, it was on the other side of the goddamn field and the ball is going 20 yards over his head to somebody else that has absolutely nothing to do with that, with that route. So I don't know. There was poor officiating all around, but I share your, your annoyance with that. The end of that first half you get, you have one ten left and 50 yards to go. You got to be thinking touchdown. Yeah. And when you have all your, your three timeouts, you're not calling a timeout until you're under 30 seconds because they, they were absolutely thinking field goal. Yes, they were. They were thinking about, you know what? Let's just try to set up this field goal. And they almost blew it. Let's face it. Yeah. Who the hell is running a, a two route combination that takes as long as it took? Thank God the two was pretty accurate. He could put that ball out in the boundary to Hollins for four yards, but they killed six seconds for four yards. What if what if the Jets play that right and they tackle him inbounds? Just ludicrous. The whole thing was ludicrous. The whole thing was just stupid. First of all, you know a play takes roughly around seven seconds. If you don't call timeout right away, you know, tack on another 12 to set up and have the referee spot the ball. So 20 seconds, right? You mm. should be running at least four plays in hurry up. At least four plays in hurry up to get to 30 seconds. Then you have three timeouts. Then you could do whatever you want with your entire playbook because you have three timeouts, you know, which brought us to Sanders miss, missing a chippy. I'm concerned. Are you concerned? Because I've seen it go south. I've seen this go south with great field goal kickers down here. Fouad Reves, Pete Stojanovic, Alindo Mare. Right, yeah. Are you concerned with, with Sanders? This is uh, uh, He lines up. I'm no longer sipping on my beer and and waving at people anymore. I'm yeah. I'm staring at the TV now. <laughs> the last two seasons, I've every time he's lined up for a field goal, I'm like, well, it's three points. Doesn't matter where it is, up to 60 yards. And even then, you kind of think he'd probably drill a 63, 64 yarder. But at the moment, it's a bit of a fire festival when he gets back there. Do you know what I mean? It's like I'm not yes. in charge as well what's going to happen. And um, it's beginning to get a bit worrying, really. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know what the situation because you know, is it a holder situation? You know, you used to Matt Hawk for the last three, four years, and all of a sudden you got Pilardi, who actually, by the way, I thought punted very well yesterday. And I've been yes, he's Christian. coming around. He started the season off awful. Yeah, I thought he bunted very well yesterday. Um, or even punted rather than bunted. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I thought um, well, he was bunting for most of the season, quite frankly, until this point. <laughs> yeah, so I, I mean, you know, is it? A holder issue, we would probably sit here and go, don't be ridiculous. The man's just holding the ball and turning the laces. But maybe that is something that Sanders is, you know, still trying to get to to come to terms with. But, you know, you look at Chris Boswell in Pittsburgh. He's not having any problems with President Harvey being a holder, having had a a different holder for years before that. So, you know, Boswell's having one of the, you know, one of his best seasons and he's a very good kicker. So I don't know. I don't know what it is. Um, I suspect he'll bounce back because he's one of the elite kickers in the game, but he's definitely having a really, really average year. Yeah, and, and you don't you don't know you can't put your finger on it, right? Because I, I thought about that too. I I, I thought maybe Pilardi screwing him up, but it's the only thing I can think of. I can't understand. I can't think why there would be another reason for for him being 
average. Which yes. He, you know, I mean, he's he's had three big misses in three big games. You know that we, you know, I don't know, the miss before halftime. I mean, look, who knows what happened with the Vegas game, but the miss before halftime at Vegas, that miss yesterday could have been costly. It, miss against the Colts. The miss against the Colts. You know, I don't know. It's um, yeah, I and, and they're all big. They're all amplified, right? Like they all seem to be like, whoa, like we could have really used those three points when you gave them to us. You know, I mean, George Hallis said players don't get any better when they um when they get paid. You know, and he struggled since he's been paid. Um, I don't know. I don't know. He um. Although, quite frankly, with that disgusting clock management, they didn't deserve points anyway. So maybe, maybe he was so pissed off at the way that they like spacked their way twenty yards down the field and wasted all three timeouts. He just thought they deserved to miss it. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, which brings us to yeah. Uh, and short answer, I'm kind of concerned, you know. But you know, I'll, I'll share your optimism that he'll turn it around, you know. But yeah, it's no, it's no longer. I used to turn my back on the TV. It's no longer like that. Mm-hmm. Now, now I'm staring at the TV, kind of concerned and and anxious to see the kick go up. Now, you know, right. it's no longer it. You know, they're no longer gimmies. And problem is that the way that they want to play, and quite frankly, the limitations of that offense, they need a really good field goal kicker. Yeah, and I think that's what he is. I just think it'll, you know, it'll come back. It will come back. He's just having a slump. I don't think he's a bad kicker. You, you don't go from being an all pro kicker. And probably should have been an all-pro kicker if it wasn't for Justin Tucker the season before, quite frankly, to be in a absolutely bottom eight kicker in the league. Yeah, and by the way, uh, you know, not that we're going to talk Jets kicker talk, but that kicker of theirs, Amendola, what a leg! But he mm. can't hit anything. <laughs> no, he reminds me of um, he reminds me of the kid that we had um before Sanders that we got from some D four school that that uh. Our old uh, Rizzy found, and he kicked the ma- the monster um, tying field goal in Buffalo when JHI had the long yes. run over time. Yes, um, Andrew. Uh, what was his name? Uh, there's a quiz for us. <laughs> I'll look it up right now. Kicker Andrew Franks. Andrew Franks, wow. Yeah, who went to Renesla Polytechnic Institute, which probably isn't even D4. It's like... I don't think it exists. I don't think that's... that's. I think you made that up. That's not a real school. Okay, you need to tell me whereabouts it's located. Okay, what's the name? Because uh, maybe I could do I could do that. Uh, I mean, I, don't, I wouldn't even know how to fucking pronounce it. Ren... Spell R-E-N-S-S-E-L-A-E-R. Renselia, Renselia Polytechnic Institute. Man, that's possibly Polish, which could be Pennsylvania. No, nah, it's Troy, New York, New York State. Oh, okay. There you go. But yeah, what's Andrew their, Franks, man. What's their nickname? Nickname. The the Fighting Franks. No, the Engineers. <laughs> you know what? That's a pretty good name. It's not a bad name, is it? It's uh, no. certainly it's certainly worse. I'm just trying to look at their notable alumni and see if there's anybody either he's listed or if there's anybody famous. Yeah, by the way, Andrew Frank's illustrious career here in Miami that one year. We will always have that 56-yard field goal. Yeah. Okay? Oh my god. Guess who went to the uh guess who else went to uh uh whatever this place is called, Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute. 
Who? Matt Patricia. Whoa. Okay. That, that that's that, you know now there's a, a trivia. That's an answer for a trivia question. Yeah. Which two notable NFL stars? <laughs> Although we're not going to call Andrew Franks an NFL star. I'm looking. I'm staring at Andrew Franks' career here in Miami. Well, that one year. I'm surprised he's not actually in the league anymore. Well, when you look at what he actually did, you know, he kicked 10. I don't know how this is possible. 2016, that Dolphin team scored plenty of points. They played 16 games. He played 16 games. He attempted 10 field goals that season. How is that possible? He made eight of them, by the way. And he was 13 or 16 in 2015. He went to the XFM. I'm amazed he's not. Um, amazed he's not kicking somewhere. I mean, given the, sh- I mean, there was some serious amount of field goals missed yesterday as well. By the way, yes, but yeah, yeah. Which leads us, and by the way, I'm just staring at at that roster. Uh, remember all these oldies but goodies: uh, Bakari Rambo, Kiko mm. Alonso, Isa Abdul Kudus, <laughs> Tony yeah. Lippett. Tony Lippett, God. <laughs> None of those guys are around. Uh, Kiko Alonso's buried somewhere in, I think, in New Orleans. He's he's a backup somewhere. Uh, yeah. In fact, in 2016, I'm trying to look at, through the entire roster. Who are notable NFL players today? Of course, Jarvis Landry. You yeah. Know, other than that, Rashad Jones is retired. Andre Branch is is a backup now. Bobby McCain is a starting free safety for the Washington Football Team. Yeah. Cameron Wake retired. Jordan Phillips uh, got paid. He's in Arizona, isn't he? Yes, he's in Arizona. That team had Mario Williams. Forgot about that? Yeah, Nick Williams is with the Lions, I think. Uh Uh-huh. Look at at that linebacker group. Alonso, Donald Butler, Neville Hewitt, Mike Hull, Jelani Jenkins, Spencer Pacinger, (laughs) and Trevor Riley. Wow. Christ, where's like... (laughs) Jelani Jenkins, free agent. Spencer Pacinger, free agent. Mike Hull, free agent. Neville Hewitt's at the Texans, I think, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, Neville Hewitt. Uh, no, he's, he was with the Jets, isn't he? No, I think he's with the... Yeah, he's with the Texans now. With the Texans. Yeah. Well, he's had a, a decent career. Like Jordan Lucas. Know. Jordan Lucas won the Super Bowl with the Chiefs. Yes, as a backup safety. And he actually yeah. had to play a lot of snaps in that Super Bowl because... They had yeah. an injury. He played all um, right. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he and he played all right. Uh, they had an injury. Uh, they had a Pro Bowl safety that left that game early on. Forgot his name. But oh, what yeah. about Ben, ben Wickery? Oh boy, everybody's favorite corner. Yeah. Who would have a... thought that Neville Hewitt back then was going to carve out a seven-year career as a starter <laughs> for several teams, several bad yeah. teams. But for several teams, Marquise Gray. I liked Marquise Gray. I always liked him. I always liked him, and I like him personally too. He was a nice player. He just had awful injuries. And if you looked at his body type, you could see how he could have those injuries as a tight end because he yeah. was really built as a big wide receiver. Yeah, you know, he was he was more suited to playing fullback in in the NFL. He was playing in line because he was a very willing blocker. But you know, those injuries just caught up with him. But really nice guy. Known him personally for a long time. Really, really good guy. Yeah. Uh, I think we could finish up here with the Jets on on Tua. Um, he's getting better. He's getting better every week. And the offensive line is getting worse. 
or is the same. And he really is making chicken salad out of chicken shit. He really is. Yeah, I thought he played pretty well. Um, you know, the lack of line, the lack of run game, the kind of razzle-dazzle they've had to introduce into the red zone. Kind of, they're not great in the red zone when they just play conventionally. Um, but yeah, I thought he made a couple of really nice throws. I mean, uh, the third down throw to Jalen Waddle. Um, I thought it was a really nice throw. His interception really annoyed me because actually if he leads Waddle, mm-hmm. it, it could be a big play. It's a badly placed throw. And I don't understand why he threw it like that because that's just not the sort of throw you'd expect him to make. You'd actually That's the sort of throw where you'd expect him to complete it, actually, even though there was a safety over the top. If he leads Waddle towards the sideline, it's a big catch. Um, but yeah, I thought he made some nice throws. He made some accurate throws. Um, you know, he gets no time and... Um, the touchdown to, to Gaskin, I thought was a nice throw given the pressure and the fact that he just sees him very quickly. So yeah, I thought he played, I thought he played nicely. Uh, it, it's a bit, um, not disconcerting. It's a bit, um, I, I sort of feel sorry for him in a way because he's always going to be judged like this, but you know, he turns in a good performance where he goes 26 or 32, whatever it was for two two seventy five and and two touches. And then, Justin Herbert turns around in the evening game and just looks. I mean, that was one of the best quarterback performances I've seen in a long, long time last night from Herbert. Yes. And he, you know, it's just like, and you can't help the comparison. And it's a really unfair comparison to both of them, quite frankly. Mm. But he just looked at some of those throws that he ripped around last night and you're just like, fucking hell, this kid's. I'm going to say something nuanced here. I think they're both going to be really good. <laughs> yeah, I do worry about Tua. I do worry. <sighs> Sometimes I'm I'm really intrigued now by these. You know, this is such an interesting run. Three home games now. This is the time to really, you know, to really put the because you can slightly feel the national narrative just starting to change a little bit. You know, comes off the bench, plays okay against Baltimore, throws the score to Albert or throws the big play to Albert Wilson, runs it in himself. Kind of okay. National TV. The kid did something nice, came off the bench, sparked, gave a little spark. The crowd were into it. And if you've only followed the Dolphins either on Red Zone or kind of through Twitter and that sort of thing, you'd be like, oh, okay, this kid, you know, the, the fans do like this kid. The players do like this kid. Turns up against the Jets, comes out, great opening drive. I mean, the, the pick was bad as we talked about, but comes back with some nice throws, keeps the, you know, keeps the offense ticking over and kind of gets it over the line down the stretch with some, you know, the, the touchdown to Hollins, the nice play to, to Gaskin. And again, you look at the numbers and you're like, okay, two touchdowns, 275 yards, 81% completion percentage, long ball touchdown. I know he's wide open, that's fine, but, you know, it's a touchdown's a touchdown. So now it's an opportunity next week against a, a good team. You know, I think Carolina are a good team, especially on defense. Um, so it'll be interesting. But these three home games, I mean, this is such a huge run, you know, and then you get back to seven and seven, you beat the Giants, you beat the Jets back at home. And then you got those three games, and you know New Orleans got blown out of the water for most of that game against Philly yesterday. Yeah, and, and they're they're an absolute mess on offense. If you watch, Simeon's that. playing well. Trevor Simeon's actually playing well, but Kamara obviously out of the game yesterday. They've got no receivers really. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they're they're relying on De- uh, on Harris the returner and on um, obviously Kenny Stills is back, but they're kind of struggling. Teron Armstead is out, uh, the left tackle. So. I mean, and then, you know, penultimate week of the season is Tennessee and absolute dumpster fire yesterday in Nashville to lose to the Texans. Yeah, they and lost to the Texans and Tannehill threw four interceptions. Oh, 
And I can't help but think you watch that team. They look so ordinary without Derrick Henry. Yeah, they do. And Julio Jones, to be fair. I mean, it's, yes. you know, and AJ Brown's clearly not healthy. He's physically healthy. And I believe he's not, he's kind of struggling a bit, I think, with his mental health as well. And that's, they lose, the Johnny Smith loss is a really big loss, as is the Arthur Smith style of offense. You know, they got Tannehill so much out on the perimeter, rolling out, and they're not doing that nearly as much this season. And it's a real issue, um, I think, because that just plays into his, into to what he does really well. I, I think next week is just a really fascinating because I thought Cam played pretty well yesterday. You know, he looked good. He looked better than he did at any time during his New England days. The biggest issue for me is McCaffrey back and healthy. You know, he had a monster game yesterday. Um, they're good at receiver, so it's obviously going to be a very interesting, um, a very interesting situation with the you know up against secondary and what do the Dolphins do? You know, in terms of decision making, Cam is not the elite decision maker anymore that perhaps he once was. I don't think the offensive line's amazing, but then defensively, I think you know. Derek Brown, Brian Burns is a really good player. Brown's a good player. Hassan Reddick, those two get to the quarterback. Shaq Thompson's one of the most underrated players in the league. And then the secondary, obviously, Stefan Gilmore, CJ Henderson, Dante Jackson, Keith Taylor's playing well. Jeremy Chin is there, obviously. Um, so, yeah, I think it'll be a really interesting game. But it's you kind of feel like those last three games could be pick'em games. Do you know what I mean? It's like it just... Mm-hmm. Depends on what happens on the day. You're going to need you're going to need at least one of those last three games, and probably two to get in the playoffs. Mm. But if the Dolphins beat Carolina, if they beat the Giants, they beat the Jets. What's that? A six game winning streak heading into the, the final three games of the season. You put yourself you're putting yourself in the playoff race, and you'd be seven and seven going to Monday Night Football against the Saints in New Orleans. Loud, but you know it's not cold. It's not um raining it's not snowing you know there's it, it's a good vibe place to play football in december do you know what i mean you could be in yeah. buffalo or i mean the following week obviously in tennessee will be cold but there are worse places to be with three games to go potentially with your destiny in your own hands than going to new orleans uh, you know without obviously now anymore without a drew Brees, but also without Jameis winston you know what's kamara's situation obviously michael thomas is out it it will be fascinating. It will be fascinating, and I think this game. I, I know we're only doing one show this week because of Thanksgiving. I, I think this game is is a really interesting matchup of kind of Joe Brady and his trying to continue to build that offensive um, system around Cam, but also defensively. I think it's a huge battle. This is a massive week. I think for the Dolphins' offensive coaches, you know, up against. You know, a good defense run by Phil Snow. Um, it, it will be very interesting to see how Miami handle it because you get over this one because you kind of feel like the, the the Ravens game was a bit of a game that we we didn't expect to win in a way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of, it's mm. almost like we've got an extra an extra win that we didn't expect, and you kind of don't you don't want to s- slip up now but you've kind of almost got that extra game under your belt but you know the way the AFC is wide open do you know what I mean yeah, it's, it's a, no it's a, it's, a, it's there's a clump of teams that are exactly one and a half games ahead of us so you got to figure you you complete this gauntlet at home and I really think that this this Panther game is 
is the key to this whole thing. Mm. They get past this game. I really, I, I think that they'll they'll get to seven and seven, and they'll complete it because they're not traveling for a month. <laughs> okay, they're staying at home. From there's no excuses. You're favored in the next three games, and you're at home, and you get a bye week in between them. So, you know, you have no excuses to not get to seven and seven and to set yourself up. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about the, the Panthers now in a little bit, but I got a, I got a trivia question for you, Simon, because this one's a really, really good one. I had no idea this was true. The Dolphins have shared the division and their whole history with the Buffalo Bills, the New York Jets, the New England Patriots, and, yeah, the Indianapolis Colts at one time. You remember? Yep. Do you know the Dolphins have never trailed the season series against any of those teams except one of them? Do you know which one that is? Uh, Jets. Yes. There you are. Uh, they are 60 and 51 against the Bills. They are 57 and 52 against the Patriots. They're 46 and 28 against the Colts. They are now 56 and 55 with one tie against the Jets. They, uh, yesterday, took the lead for the first time in the series in 21 years mm. the mm. last time they led the, the, the jets in the series was in the year 1999 so yeah yesterday they were tied up 55 55 and one which tells you that they were way behind because the dolphins have won nine out of the last 10 against the jets so so i guess they were like eight games behind in the series against yeah. the jets i guess that tells you what a big rival they are yeah All right. carolina panthers yeah, this is a like I said, uh, th- this defense worries me because it, it this will be a defense that that Tua hasn't seen before. And what I mean by that is that Phil Snow just runs so many different alignments. Like, mm-hmm. you know, back when he was at Baylor with Matt Rule, they ran so many different systems defensively, so many different like they run like three three threes at times. They ran, I mean, they've been running. I mean, they're kind of a base four three. But actually, they don't really play a base four three. They're realistically a base three four. But actually, that three four becomes a five two, and they play as many defensive backs as we do. Like I think I read somewhere that we play us and New England play the most defensive backs. But I think Carolina are a third in that mm-hmm. um, in terms of six and seven DBs. But oftentimes they'll just play like they'll play like five defensive linemen one linebacker and then just flood the secondary with with essentially three starting corners plus Jeremy Chin plus a nickel and then or Chin will move up and be a big nickel um so it's going to be a really interesting thing two is going to see stuff that he's not seen before but also he's going to have three good corners on the field who can mix and match in terms of alignments outside inside inside outside um and then obviously you've got you know a defensive end in in Brian Burns, who I mean, Liam Eikenberg has been a fucking disaster at left tackle, yes. like a disaster. I mean, Brian Burns could eat his lunch, and Hassan Reddick, you know, plays that sort of linebacker role that he played in his early days at Arizona because he's so athletic, but also he just steps up and plays, you know, as a stand-up edge. You know, he, yeah. he'll Jesse Davis fits. I mean, we think that we have yeah. A bad- Liam Eikenberg is going to face Hassan Reddick a ton. Uh, yeah. Sunday because they they tend to they tend to really stick to their roles, you know. Hassan Reddick likes to rush uh, 
well, it's not that he likes it. It's they like to rush him weak side and Brian Burns front side. So, yeah, it, it's it's those are not good matchups. Jesse Davis versus Brian Burns. <laughs> Son yeah. Reddick versus Liam Meikenberg. Yeah. Tua's going to have to be on his game again. But then you're going to have that kind of matchup of Jeremy Chin against Mike Gesicki because the other thing is that they they will match you athlete for athlete. Do you know what I mean? Along that, you know, Reddick, mm-hmm. great athlete. Burns, great athlete. Derek Brown, big guy, but great athlete. Linebackers, Shaq Thompson, great athlete. Secondary, those corners. Gilmore, still a great athlete. Uh, Johnson, uh, the kid from LSU, Dante Johnson, great athlete. Chin, great athlete. Do you know what I mean? It's like they will match up with you all over the field. Obviously, JC Horn not playing, but um, yeah, they they just play multiple fronts, kind of hybrids that Tua won't have. So you know, a lot of work in the film room this week just to kind of understand exactly what's happening. And because Phil Snow is a really creative defensive play caller, and he'll just try and confuse the hell out of Tua with different. Uh, you know, this could be one of those games where, you know, he lights them up because we just get the matchups we want all over the field. And it could, or it could be one of those games where he just ends up throwing three, four picks because of the, you know, it's just stuff he won't have seen before. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. it will be very interesting because they're, um, they're a good, they're a well-coached unit with good athletic players. So very interesting to see what happens. Yeah. Their personnel, if you look at their defense, it's up and down. It's, it's guys that we've talked about on this podcast. We de- we had the, the debates on Brian Burns. Could he fill out his body? Evidently, he has. Okay. Derek Brown's a great player. Daquan Jones, Morgan Fox, all these guys we've talked about on the, on the podcast positively. Like they've gone out and gotten guys. They got AJ Boye <laughs> as their six, as their six DB. Dante Jackson, Stephon Gilmore has has been really good. And of course, those safeties, Justin Burris and Jeremy Chen. Burris, Burris is a good player as well. Yes. Is a good player. Yeah. So Morgan Fox has been a good player as well mm-hmm. up front, defensive end. And of he course, was... Shaq Thompson gets himself. Uh, yeah. Yatur Gross Models also, also plays for them. That's yeah. They have personnel on the defensive got, side of the ball. Maybe Nixon, the Iowa defensive tackle, who they got in the second round last year, who had some first round chatter sort of kind of March, April time last year. Uh, he's a decent, yeah, he's showed flashes. Daquan Jones can play as well. So, yeah, they will, Um, yeah, it will be very interesting to see. And this is one of those games where you want a, a good run game. Um, Absolutely. You go, back and look at, you go back and look at the game that Washington played yesterday. You know, Taylor Heineke is one of those very interesting, Taylor Heineke is a bit like Tua in a way, in that he gets the absolute most out of his physical ability and he's got some talent, clearly got some talent. And apart from Terry McLaurin, there's not really anybody of any note in terms of skill position players. And they're very similar to us. They're all on IR. All the the wide receiver talent that they signed in the off season, they're all on IR. It almost feels like with Heineke, you kind of want to surround him with players next year and, and say, okay, let's see what you, Let's see what you got here. If we can really surround you with some talent, you know, and I kind of, you know, obviously we, we know the same situation with Tua. Surrounding with talent, we'll see what happens. But, but yeah, this will be a very interesting matchup. And Tua is going to have to be on his game in the film room this week to to kind of see where they they are because they're just so, you know, they are just not tied to that scheme. Then they're, they're not scheme specific, and they have players who are not scheme specific. Do you know what I mean? I mean, you'll see Brian Burns, you know, come around the edge, run the arc get sacks but you'll also see him peel off and run down the field with a Gesicki or a Miles Gaskin out the back do you know what I mean yeah that's just not stuff that you generally see in the 
in the game. You know, you might see, you know, watch the Rams, you might see Von Miller dropping back into a zone and that's fine. But you don't often see, you know, 10, 12 sack pass rushes turning around and sprinting 30 yards down the field, stride for stride with a 190 pound running back. So yeah, it'll be, um, it will be very interesting. Yeah. When I look at these next three games at, at home, I think the Jets shot their shot. Uh, they thought they could get the one at home and they went all in on it. I think they're going to have to play Zach Wilson. And I just don't, and I understand that he has some, he has, he has talent. Like you watch him play. He has a lot of talent, a lot of arm talent. I don't think he can beat a Brian Flores defense. Mm. Any dimes, the Giants? No, I just don't see it. I think this is the one. This is the game that will dictate what they will do and what they can do with the rest of the season. Taysom Hill has just signed a four-year, $40 million deal with the Saints. Mm-hmm. With twenty million fully guaranteed, that yeah, but he has escalators in there that if he plays quarterback and he does this or that, it could turn into ninety-eight million. But if if he plays tight end, and uh, somebody was saying that this is something that some tight ends are going to start to trot out because Taysom Hill is basically arguing that he's more a wide receiver than a tight end, so therefore he should get closer to wide receiver money than mm. tight end money which is odd. So we'll see if Mike Gusecki uh, brings this up in his negotiation, which oddly enough, today he advocated for Durham Smythe to get uh, a new contract. What, what did you make of that, by the way? That, that was odd, to say the least. Yeah, I mean, I'm not remotely. We're headed toward, they're just going to tag him, right? That's what they're doing. They're well, they planning should. on using that cheap tag and running it back the following year when He's probably going to be much more expensive. Well, it's interesting because, you know, hopefully they're in decent cap shape. You've obviously got a couple of players, Kasiki being one, but Emmanuel Ogba being another. Ogba's a good player. He's good. He's consistent. He rarely comes off the field. He plays the run well. Um, He leads the league in batted passes. He's a pressure freak. Um, He's got a great motor. Thankfully, he's been healthy for you know, one and a half seasons, one and three quarter seasons, whereas he struggled a bit with injuries in Cleveland and KC. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not like he's playing really well this season with a deal, you know, he, but he's backing up what he did last year. Um, sack numbers slightly down, but, you know, he's, um, I, I think he's played well. Um, so it'll be an interesting decision for the Dolphins because, you know, you'd want to see them sign one and then, you know, tag, well, actually you want to see them sign both. But, um, you know, I mean, if they let, I mean, if they let Gesicki walk, he might as well just fucking give it all up. Do you know? Well, what I mean? there's, there's no way they're gonna let him walk because they let him walk. All they're getting back is exactly what they paid for him. So, yeah. you know, they're not gonna let him walk. I think that they're, they're trying to be too cute by using the tag on him, and an unhappy tight end is probably not a good idea. You know what I mean? Especially I mean, when I, he's, he's to his favorite target. I thought it was quite interesting yesterday when. Uh, whoever the commentator or Greg was, Greg Gumble and uh, Archuleta were talking about how they'd been in conversation with Gesicki the night before, and he kept saying he wanted to be a receiver. And this is clearly agent talk for wanting to pay him like a receiver rather than pay him like a tight end, because obviously yeah. you see the, the Dallas Goddard deal last week. You know, he 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 will want north of that four year sixty million. He he will expect to be paid like a wide receiver. 
um, which won't happen. And that could be where the rubber meets the road for the Dolphins, you know. But look, if the Dolphins, if, if Mike Gesicki hits free agency, you know, he's going to be a top five free agent and, you know, uh, yeah. Green Bay Packers or, a, you know, a team like that will be absolutely crying out. I mean, can you imagine Aaron Rodgers to Gesicki? I mean, you know, he'd catch 500 balls a season. I mean, it would, would be ridiculous. So, <laughs> Or um, Russell Wilson. Yeah. Like uh, to collect offensive talent over there. Be interesting, though. I don't think Russell Wilson will be in Seattle next season. I think that's coming. I think that marriage is coming to an end. Um, yeah, and if you watched the, the the Steelers last night, uh, Roethlisberger's not even on his last legs. Like there yeah. are no legs left. <laughs> there's there's nothing there. It's it's just an animated cadaver at this point. Yeah. <laughs> if you watch Roethlisberger play, so you got to figure that. And the talk from their beat writers, I was reading some on this morning, and a chill went down my spine when. When I, I was reading one of their beat writers say that Tomlin has communicated to the to their um, front office that he will not train up a rookie quarterback. So mm. you know what that means, mm. <laughs> you know. And Steve's have already made team. They get themselves an elite quarterback, like especially like one like Russell Wilson or the the guy from the Texans. Good lord, they become an instant best team in the AFC easily. Mm. You know, so yeah, but back to this Carolina Panther game. Do you feel like this is this is it right here? The season's right here. They win this one. I think it should be smooth sailing, smooth sailing until, you know, they had to play the, those three games at the end of the year. You, you've got to get yourself back in a position to be competitive for those final three games. You know, if they if they somehow manage to you know, spaff their way through these next three games and don't win all three of them, they've only got themselves to blame, quite frankly, because the mm. the gimme games that they should have won, Atlanta at home, Jacksonville and London, you know, they should have won those two games. Mm. You know, the Jacksonville game especially. I mean, that, that game should have been out of hand after the first four drives. And they just let bad, like I said earlier, they let a shitty team hang around and they got punished. Um, so they, they, there is no room for error. it. It's got to be a one and zero every week mentality. I know it's a cliche, but it's got to be. They can't look at their record. They can't look at other teams' records. They've just got to think, you know, we've got to come out and beat them. But they have three games at home. They've got to make use of the advantage. It's still warm weather down there, obviously. They've got to make use of it. They've got to make use of the fact that Cam Newton is, you know, he's still Cam Newton, but, you know, it's a new system. It's not the, he's not running Riverboat Ron's system or the, the system that was there. You know, this is now Joe Brady's West Coast offense, um, you know, or hybrid of West Coast offense. You know, they've got to try and shut down McCaffrey both out of the backfield with, you know, so the big game needed from Jerome Baker, big game needed from Javon Holland, you know, whether Holland ends up or Eric Rowe, somebody ends up spying McCaffrey. Um, you know, receivers on the outside that they, they can block up front because Tommy Tremble's a great blocker at tight end. You know, the receivers are good receivers with DJ Moore and the, and the kid from LSU. And, you know, they've got talent out there. Robbie Anderson, who we all know well. And then, like we've talked about, their defense is, their defense is solid. It's got to be an A-plus game plan. And the Dolphins have got to play up to that level. The crowd have got to get going. If you're going to the game on Sunday, you know, get behind the team, get down there. You know, no excuses now. Because if they win, well, that's a four-game winning streak. And all of a sudden, people are starting to talk about, well, you're looking for teams, you know, the Dolphins aren't going to the Super Bowl, but you're looking for teams that are big, you know, who's starting to make a run now? Because this is the time of the year. New England Patriots are starting to make a run. You can see that's happening. The Indianapolis Colts made some noise yesterday. Are they about to start to make a run? You know, who are the other teams around the, the 49ers? You know, that you take the 49ers win against the Rams the other night and you're like, 
this offense, if they can keep this going, this offense is is really good. You know, washed through Jacksonville yesterday. You worry about their secondary, but front seven, just you know, they're really strong. The Forty ers who's making a run, and and the Dolphins can well, make others are fading. Run. That's the thing. Yeah, they, they have Tennessee an opportunity. Fading. Buffalo fading. You know, there are teams that are beginning to. You know, New Orleans fading. Green Bay struggled, lost yesterday. You know, they're still a good team, but you know. The Raiders, the yeah, the 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 Raiders fading. Here come the Chiefs. You know, you know they were three and five. All of a sudden, they're what seven and four and looking good. You know, the Cowboys, you know, stuttering. Um, you know, four weeks ago, everybody's talking about getting Kellamora, you know, a head coaching job. All of a sudden, you know, he's forgotten how to call plays. You know, he barely uses the running game, and I think running backs had eight carries last night against the Chiefs. I mean, it's ludicrous. It's just like, you know, it's um. Who's starting to make a run? And, the, you know, the Dolphins could make a run. Yeah, you know, they're one of those teams. They're, they're in that, that big, giant group. And they're they're right there. You want to laugh a little? You want a mild giggle? They win that Raiders game, and they win the, the Jacksonville and Atlanta game, which I felt they blew both of those games. That's a three-win turnaround. They'd be in mm-hmm. first place in the AFC East right now. <laughs> mm. That tells you all you need to know. All right, this is my concern on the offensive side of the ball, and I think we could close here. Christy McCaffrey are last year when they played Cam Newton. Cam Newton came down here with New England. Obviously, it's a different team. DJ Moore is better than any wide receiver that New England had then or now. Robbie Anderson, quite frankly, is a better wide receiver than anybody that New England had last year or now. But Christy McCaffrey is easily the best player on, I, I would say, on the field. Like, he's the best. He's the, the most skilled He's the best skill player that will line up on Sunday. Do you make him a blocker like they did last year to Damian Harris and the rest of the running backs for New England? Because they, they blitzed the hell out of Cam Newton. Do you try to turn McCaffrey into a blocker? Or I think are you going to try to play a lot of zone? Because you try to play man against him. He could have one of those 10-catch, 150-yard days. But I think if you play zone against him you are asking for trouble as well because he's so adept at finding the hole in the zone. Do you know what I mean? It's um, I think you've got you've got to try and keep him in as much as possible, and if that means blitzing, then then so be it. I think you can't, you can't let Cam dictate, especially in short yardage situations, especially near the goal line. You can't, you just can't, um, because he's so big, he's so powerful, he's so strong, he's so physical. He looks good, looks healthy. The arm looks good. You know, a couple of nice touchdown throws yesterday. So, um. Yeah, I, I think you've got to try and keep McCaffrey in. I think they're going to try and blitz him. You know, they've got to try and hit Cam. They've got to try and get him down. They've got to try and disrupt him, disrupt the passing lanes. Um, but you're asking a lot. You're matching up with three big receivers on the outside, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Terrace Marshall with um, with Robbie Anderson, big size-wise, but also big in terms of talent. And DJ Moore, obviously, a really good player. So Yeah, it's going to be Terrace Marshall. Play. Yeah, he was a guy that we liked a lot. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's he's like a Devontae fun. Parker clone, really, if you watch him. It'll be Is a he... fascinating battle. Yeah. I, I can't, uh, this game, uh, I can. I know how this game will be lost. This game will be lost if Carolina is in third and one all day. You can't. They can't be in third and one. Uh, they got to be in like third and eight, third and seven. You know, you got to make, you got to make plays and you got to win on third down, but you can't have them matriculate the ball on you because they will they will chew up so much clock on you. They'll run the ball. They'll control it on you. They'll have a 38 
a time of a 38 minute time of possession advantage toward the end of the game. And then, you know, when you look up at the scoreboard, you're like, you're down a score and you know, you just won't have enough time because they've chewed it all up. Mm. So it, very similar to what we did to the new England Patriots last year is the way Carolina wants to win now. So you got to keep them from that, which means you got to turn Cam Newton into a passer. Mm. So yeah, winning on first down is going to be extremely important. I guess I'll go first with my prediction. I think this team has a look. I think Carolina is still finding a way to how to use Cam Newton. I don't know how they're going to pull it off, but I think Jason Sanders rises to the occasion and kicks the game-winning field goal. I think we're in for a dandy of a football game. Let's say, let's call it 24-21 Miami. Well, that's exactly what I was going to say, 24-21. I'm, I'm not sure I can pick which side, um, but I'm going to go home field advantage. I'm going to say Jason Sanders' redemption game, kick the winning field goal. Dolphins win 24-21. And if they, and if they do get out of there with a, with a win, then you know we're in for a pretty exciting run to the finish here for the Dolphins. Mm. All right, that's it. When we come back from break, Chris Kaufman. But we bid adieu to Simon Clancy. Bye, Simon. Bye, health. <laughs> and now these words. Let me tell you about Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is the best and easiest way to play fantasy football and basketball this season. Just draft. No need to worry about waivers, lineups, or injuries. Underdog Fantasy handles it all for you. Just go to underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft a season-long best ball team, or any of the individual games that you can find, and that's it. No in-season management. You can even bring your own home league over to underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code 5RSN and you get a 100% deposit match up to $100. That's right. Use the promo code 5RSN and use a 100% deposit match up to $100. Underdogfantasy.com. And we're back. And as promised... Chris Kaufman. Hello, Chris. Hi. <laughs> okay. That wasn't as as enthusiastic as, as Simon was when well, I introduced him at the beginning of the show. You know, Simon, God bless him, sometimes jumps on the, the podcast at like um like almost like midnight his time sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and um and let's just say I couldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> It's, yeah, I could. It is. It, it is nine thirty my time, and uh, which is also your time. Um, and and I'm like I'm like stifling yawns. Yeah, uh, last week uh, I set a record though for the podcast. I don't know if you knew about this, but I did a I did our podcast. I did a Buffalo eighteen Bills. beers. No, I I, a, no, your record would be twenty six beers. Well, no, yeah, yeah, my record for the, for a, a for a live podcast. <laughs> yeah. For, for in one sitting, yeah, and one and one and one live podcast sitting, twenty six. <laughs> yes. But last week I did a Jets podcast, a Bills podcast that I do every week, and our podcast. So okay, so you covered place. you covered the AFC East, you traitor. Yes, I, I basically uh, I talked to everybody, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, the Bills people kind of like two of them. To a tongue of Iowa, uh, Jets people keep asking me questions like, "Is he good? Do you do you think guys think it? like if they're nervous? You know, they're like nervously yeah. asking, is he good? Is he going to be good?'" 
Well, I have my, my opinion on that, and I guess we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I told Simon at the beginning of the show that watching that game, I started off excited, then really annoyed, and then kind of ended pleasantly surprised. That was my it's basically every it's basically every single Tua Tonga Vailoa game, with the exception of maybe like two or three. Yeah, what were your emotions during that game? Because I couldn't. I, I was I was beside myself. I was almost angry. First of all, at the clock management right before the the half, that was just stupidity. But these guys go to sleep for like about thirty minutes a game, right smack in the dip, dab in the middle of the game. Utterly unsurprised was my reaction throughout the okay. entire game. Like I could have written it, you know, in a, in a movie script, you know, it, it just, it just felt, it just felt like exactly if there was a quintessential dolphins to a tongue of dolphins football game, Brian Flores, you know, this whole cast of characters, <laughs> um, this was it, this, I mean, and I don't, you know, I don't realize we're four and seven, so we've had seven losses. And, and so, you know, the, you could say the quintessential game involves losing. Um, <laughs> but but still, I mean, it's just the way it played out. I mean, how many times did, did we did we look this up? I wanted to look this up. Um, how many times has Tua Tungavailoa led a touchdown drive on his first drive of the game? Well, I uh, did it against New England. We could, we could look in the schedule, okay? I mean, it's 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 a lot, right? I mean, it's it's I don't know exactly how many, but I mean, it's it's definitely a lot. All right, um, uh, let's do it right here. I got it in front of me. Well, I don't want a bunch of dead air, so I'm gonna keep talking. Um, but anyway, like um, okay, first game you, against the Patriots, he did it. Well, you look you look you look it up, and I'll keep talking. All right. Um, Anyway, uh, it, he starts off with a, a touchdown drive on the first drive of the game, which mm-hmm. happens all the freaking time. And for him, I mean, just an un, unusual amount of time. And then falls absolutely asleep for two, you know, quarters, a, a total of about two quarters, because it, it always lasts until like midway into the third quarter. Um, sometimes, sometimes I want to say that like the first drive of the third of the second half, they also, they also give it a little bit of action, but it's not really, it's not really consistent on that one. Um, first drive of the game is consistent. First drive of the second half is not necessarily consistent for, for the Tua Tungo Vailoa Dolphins. Um, so fall asleep for two, for two quarters, sometime in the game makes two really bad decisions. And that I that I include the uh, the really bad interception, which was just a it was a bad ball, but also like, you know, he got really cute with that one. Like, like it's hard for me to imagine him actually throwing the correct ball for what he tried, what he wanted to do there. I mean, it, he, if if he just like magically got it up and over and then down very quickly, um, and within a set amount of time, I mean, I would have been pretty floored um i have the answer but, to your question if you want it okay go ahead like how many how many games he's started okay he started against the patriots right and he started against yeah. the bills but we're not going to count that one because he, he didn't get to complete that drive right right, right. okay he didn't he get had, to complete that drive right yeah he didn't he didn't get to complete the the that opening drive really okay yeah then you have the jaguars the falcons and then remember he did not play again uh he did play against the bills right mm-hmm Okay. And 
he did not play against the Texans. He did not play against the Ravens. He did not. He played against the Jets. So I'm going to try to get you exactly what happened. But in every single game on the opening drive, Tua has led a touchdown drive, except against the Bills. Wait, the, the second Bills game is what you're talking about? The, yeah, the second Bills game. Okay, so so every game except for the second Bills game this year, he's led a touchdown drive on the first drive. Every first single game against New England, against the Jacksonville Jaguars, against Atlanta, and against the Jets. First wow. drive, touchdown drive. Wow. Against the Bills, the first drive. Let me see what happened on the first drive. Uh, he did drive them, and they missed a the field goal. Oh, they missed a field goal. Okay. Yeah, they went 12 plays. <laughs> Does this sound familiar? Yeah, I guess this is the thing, right? This is a thing. This is absolutely a thing. <laughs> yeah, he drove 12 plays, uh, 56 yards against uh, the Bills on the opening drive, and they missed a the field goal. They missed a the chippy, which is a thing. Lately, it's a Wait, thing. did you say – oh, wait, I'm looking at – I'm still looking. I thought you – the Patriots game, but I'm looking at the Patriots game from last year. That's – yeah, no, the day. first game of the season. Uh, remember, he ran that that option. So, yeah, he was um, – actually, if you look at that Bills game, uh, it's the only game where, like, they're, they slept for most – like, that offense was absolutely pathetic <laughs> until the fourth quarter. They came alive in the fourth quarter. Yeah. You know? But yeah. But anyway, 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 this game played out exactly as the others did. He, first drive of the game – First drive of the game goes down there for a touchdown. We start, oh, we're going to have a good day offensively. Oh, who's this play caller? This play caller looks pretty good. You know, that we <laughs> all the same things that we've been saying like almost every single friggin' week. Yeah. Um, and then uh, and then they go to sleep for two quarters. Um, and Totunga Vilo has some bad decisions. Although his second bad decision really didn't come until the second or, or until the uh, the last drive of the game. When he took that sack, um, and uh, he got, and they say bailed out, but I mean the defensive holding had something to do with why he took the sack in the, in the first place. But anyway, um, and then, but but then you're looking at it, and you're like, wait a minute, and, you know, some point you're in the game, you're looking at it like, how many damn passes has he completed? Because it seems like he's completing all, and then you're like, oh, 82 percent of them, you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, that's. <laughs> And that's that's a two a tongue of ILO game. He's done that twice this year. He's he's also he had, he had a seventy percent seventy plus percent completion game as well. Um, you know, and then uh, and then the fourth quarter, he's you know very nearly perfect. Uh, somebody said eight of eight on Twitter. It wasn't. I believe it was eight of nine. Um, but it was eight of nine for fifty eight yards a touchdown. And, Seven of eight um, against the Blitz. He yeah. blitz eight times and completed seven passes for 109 yards. Yeah, that's um, you know, that's that's uh, total game, right? You know? Yeah, total. Game. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I mean, that's so. Then you look at it the fourth quarter, and you know, he's. Well, I think it was. Uh, I, I tallied it up. It was like 131 passer rating in the fourth quarter, and um, and it's like again, this is like vintage. This is vintage Tua Tungavala. I don't think people even realize, right? Like um, when it comes to Tua and and like these uh, the the fourth quarter, because I, I've been through it. I've I've talked about it. You know, hey, um, Tua is right now as things stand, he is the uh, the third most efficient passer in the fourth quarter since 1994. You know, um, basically modern NFL history. Um, 
And, uh, and the, you know, so that's pretty good, obviously, but a couple weeks ago that he was first and, um, and the reason that he's, the reason he's not no longer first is because, and again, we're not talking about a huge sample size It's well over a hundred throws, but I mean, like, it's not a huge, but the reason he's not first anymore is because against the bills, the, the latest bills game, he's in the fourth quarter they're, they've lost the game. It's the final minute or so, and it's third and 26. And he just he just took a stab way down the field, and it got intercepted, you know, by Jordan Poyer. And it was like, you know, you look at that, and you're like, oh, that's a bad decision. No, it wasn't. No, that, that no, no, just fuck that. That's out, that's out the window. That's out the door. You know, you don't, you don't even talk about that, but that's the reason he's no longer first in the NFL in NFL history and, and passer rating in the fourth quarter is that one interception. Um, and, and so like you, you look at it, he's also, he's also first in the NFL in touchdowns per play, you know, passing and rushing touchdowns, for you know every one of his either pass attempts or sacks or runs you know so on and so forth um he's number number one in nfl history since 1994 in touchdowns per per passing or not passing play per play and he's also number one in uh nfl history since 1994 in touchdowns per play in the red zone you know touchdowns i mean so how so you're talking about red zone is he a red zone producer um yeah, <laughs> you know, he has he has uh, he has the highest uh, percentage of touchdowns per play uh, in the red zone in, in, since 1994. Um, you know, and, and I think he showed that again in, in, in this game and uh, he showed the fourth quarter prowess. I mean, he showed the, the first drive of the game prowess and then he draw, showed the, you know, shit during everything in between tendency that he has. Um and so this game was totally unsurprising how how it played out, um, and it makes me still nervous about future games because hey, not every team's going to be as bad as the Jets. I mean, you saw the Jets just keep shooting themselves in the foot at times. Yeah, and um, and so you know, not every team does that, and uh, and and it just puts a lot of pressure on this defense to really perform and like not take any weeks off. Um, and because I just don't know if this offense, you know, despite having maybe the most accurate passer in, in Dolphins history, um, despite having the maybe the best tight end in Dolphins history, um, and despite uh, having, I, I, I would nod to Keith Jackson. Keith Jackson still has that spot. Uh, uh, you know, maybe, 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 maybe I watched Keith Jackson play. Um, I. I may disagree with that. Um, okay. But anyway, uh, I think that despite, you know, having whatever Gasicki is um, and despite having Jalen Waddle, who we got to talk about Jalen Waddle some more because we always talk about Tua like ad nauseum. But um, he is so fast and jittery and quick and such a good route runner that he makes it look easy to get open on virtual route. Um, and and I, I think that that's special because we should know, based on his college history anyway, we should know that, yes, he can also break really large games, right? You know, and, and he, he very nearly did, um, you know, but he slightly stepped out of bounds, you know, by, by like the side of his foot on one of those plays. 
And, um, and there have been times like that. I mean, yes, I, I nitpick. I, I, I went after him last week because yes, he does go to ground too easily right now. He, yes, he does go out of bounds a little too easily right now. Um, and, and I just don't sense the same, the same desperation to score that I sense in some other players. Um, but he'll get it. He's young and he's still, he's still learning. And, and, you know, once you, the, the special part, I always find it special when you like know what a guy is, but then you also see that he's added this other part to his game. That's like really, really, really good. And, and then it's like, it's like, but but he's not doing what you know he is like in his place. We know he's a big play dude and that he can, he can break things and go deep and, and catch balls. Or at least we should know that we shouldn't forget that is what I'm trying to say. Don't forget that. Don't forget who he is. Right. Just because he's not doing that temporarily pay more attention to the fact that what he's added, what he's doing, he's becoming like a legit awesome slot receiver, you know, possession slot receiver, on top of what we know he is, even though he's yep. not getting a chance to show it. Yeah. And, you remember um, the, you, do you remember the stat? His 17 college touchdowns, the average length of them. Do you remember that? stat? Oh God. Uh, what was it? Was it was something ridiculous, like 35 yards or something like that. Uh, was, add a few more to that. It was 47 yards, <laughs> 47 yards. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and we were like, Oh no, no, he's just a, He's just another Jarvis Landry. Are you fucking crazy? No, no, he's not just a, that may be what, what he's coming across just now for a myriad of reasons. Uh, part of it is to his missed half the year. Part of it is we have the worst offensive line in team history. And, and so, you know, even getting 2.7 seconds to throw the ball is just, you know, almost impossible. Um, and, and I think that, uh, you know, those, those things work against him. And the other part of it is he's a rookie, man. So he's, he's making some mistakes out there. There's some miscommunications every now and then out there. There's, um, you know, maybe a drop every now and then there's a, uh, there's, there's just him, you know, that stepping out of bounds that accidentally just by the side of his foot, you know, those are the type of things that I think you find that rookies do and rook- and happens to rookies. And, um, and as he gets older and matures in the league, you know, may, it might not happen as much. And, uh, and so I think that he's going to be, you, you're watching something develop that's going to be really special, even though right now it might not be superstar special. Um, but anyway, uh, the, I, I started us off by saying I had no hope for the offense, even though I just glowed about Jalen Jalen Waddle for you know 10 minutes yeah. we're, um, we're but it's because the, the offensive line is total shit and because there's nothing else aside from Gesicki and Waddle period yeah Tua's gonna have to drag this team if this team is gonna run this this well, it's not mini- just Tua it's Gesicki and Waddle too but those three yeah. are gonna have to drag the team and let's face it we need Devontae Parker or Will Fuller one of those assholes to get off of IR and come help out it, your teammates is Will Fuller in witness protection well, look, here's the front page on Will Fuller, okay? And I, I don't care what people say. Okay, yeah, all right. Amputate the middle finger, all right, if that's the, if that's the case. Receivers play with broken fingers. It happens all the time, okay? Like I've seen Tory Holt's need, fingers? Yeah, exactly. You don't need fingers to run really fast in a straight line, and that could really help this offense. It just it really can. And you never know. Maybe two will throw you a ball. And try to catch yeah, it one-handed if you really have to. But supposedly it's his middle index, it's his index finger or his middle finger on his left hand. 
he pretty much destroyed it. But they're expecting him back. And that's from inside when? the building and from Brian Flores' mouth. When, though? like Against the Raiders. It was against the Raiders. They're expecting him back against the Raiders? No, they're expecting him back this year, but he broke his finger against the Raiders. Oh, no, no. I'm saying, I'm saying like, when... When will he come back, though? I mean, we're no idea. We've only got we've only got like six games left. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe this week. Maybe this Post, is the week. I, you know, if I had to guess, I'd say you know after the bye week. Well, um, what's good is that Brian Flores today was asked about Devontae Parker and Will Fuller. He says, "Oh, we shall see." It was different than what he last week. He was asked on Monday. What about Devontae Parker and Will Fuller? Mm-hmm. And he said, no, nah, both are expected out. This uh, week, he says, we shall see. So that's a different phrase. Yeah. You know? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say after the bye week, I'm going to say still three more weeks. <laughs> we shall see means three more weeks. By the way, interesting like, thing. Since shut down about, means a month. <laughs> since, you're, since, you're, since you were talking about Waddle, I kind of like what he's doing on Twitter. He tweeted out three little penguins. I don't know if you saw that. Did you see that? Uh, no. Okay, do you you understand why he tweeted out three penguins, right? No, does it have anything to do with crypto? What do penguins do? They, they slide on the ice on their tummies. No, know. they waddle. Oh, they waddle. They waddle. Yes. Do we call that a waddle? Yes. Why didn't he? Why didn't he throw ducks out there? Ducks waddle. <laughs> ducks are the classic waddler. Well, he here's but here's the issue with his tweet. He oh, because I've out- been misinterpreted it as a criticism for two of Tonga Vailoa. <laughs> no. His issue, my my problem with this tweet, and it's a mis- it's obviously a mistake. He couldn't count. Okay, it's, it's his problem. He tweeted out three penguins, right? Because he posted a picture, uh, a video of his touchdown yesterday against the Jets, mm-hmm. where he did the little celebration. I don't know if you saw a celebration, but he walks off the field like a penguin. <laughs> he waddles off the field ah. like a penguin, right? But here's the problem: he doesn't have three touchdowns. He has four. That's right. <laughs> he didn't give him some. He didn't even know. He didn't even know his own touchdown count. He thought it was three touchdowns, so he tweeted wow. out three penguins and said, "Look, look at my handiwork." And I'm like, "Uh, you forgot uh, one, bud. You forgot one, buddy. You should have tweeted out four. So, I did him the solid from the three yards per carry account to respond to him by tweeting back at him four penguins. Okay, and from now on, on the three yards per carry account, I will keep count. Whatever he scores, I will tweet All a penguin right. out. Penguins, penguins for everybody. <laughs> you know what I just saw, Tuatonga Vailoa? This is your favorite stat, uh, um, the ESPN QBR. Oh, Jesus. He's, he's, he's got the 10th highest. Uh, you know what? They're torturing me with this shit. Everybody because they knows. won't release it. It's like, it's like, uh, <laughs> it's, it's like, I mean, it's like something political, like, uh, like, like so-and-so's tax returns or so-and-so's emails. Like nobody's ever going to release it. Uh, yeah what 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 goes into this yeah but everybody keeps tweeting at me ah you seeing this you seeing this and i'm like i've been ripping qbr for four years i'm not gonna stop now i'm not gonna stop now because <laughs> because my quarterback is now the king of qbr yeah you he's I mean? well he's not i mean he's number he's ranked number 10 i mean behind the it's he's ahead know, of it's Pat amazing <laughs> it's amazing barry jackson just recently uh wrote something about this but i think it's like uh I want to say it was like he's third in the NFL in the um, the sack percentage. Yes, which is just insane. He's his Absolute. own. If he's there's his own anything, left tackle and right tackle. <laughs> if there's anything that strikes me as one thousand percent insane, it's that 
because because I mean, we know we see on a weekly basis what he's working with there. Like mm-hmm. that is that is insane, absolutely insane. Yeah, and a lot of people were 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 tweeting at me and asking me, hey, hey, you know, Austin Jackson had pretty good numbers this week. You know, he was pretty good. You know, pretty good for Austin Jackson is that he didn't throw up all over himself in the first quarter. Oh, but, but he kind of did. Like, <laughs> he still got he still got the bad penalty and like, you know. Exactly. Know, like, like, all those, all that counts. All that goes yeah. into everything. Of course, it's like a sack. Yeah. You know? <sighs> yeah. Uh... Yeah, those guys are not good. Robert Hunt. Oh, it's. Robert Hunt is is the only thing, and he is he even salvageable at this point? Nah, he's all right. Uh, Robert Hunt's all right. Really? Yeah, he has he has a mean streak. He pushes people around. Had a couple of big blocks yeah. on that four minute drive at the end of the game. You know, I guess I guess it's good enough that you're like, okay, you know, maybe with some better coaching or something. Which we don't. I have no reason to know, no ability to know whether they're coached well or coached poorly. I will say that. You know, straight up for anybody out there, I'm not going to pretend. Um, <laughs> but Duke Mayweather says says that they they show lots of signs of being of not being coached very well in the fundamentals, and so I'll trust Duke, Duke Mayweather on that one. Um, but also, you know, you have to keep in mind why he might be saying that. He's always been he's always been a backer of Austin Jackson's, believe mm-hmm. it or not, and and so he might be you know he might be trying to you know talk his own guy a little bit like you know hey austin jackson just needs better coaching or something like that when i think we are probably all of the opinion that coaching doesn't matter with him (laughs) probably and i will say another thing about liam eikenberg because he's getting he's not good okay (laughs) okay at least he's not he's not a good left tackle we could say that all right and well not certainly not right now Um, yeah but uh, all those scouting reports, they're all proven to be true. Lance Zerline said it in his scouting report. Well, they all they He's a left I mean, guard. It he's was, a guard. He's not a Well, he could, I'm still – I'm not sure that he's – I mean, I'm not going to close the book on right tackle. You know, I'd like to see it. Um, mm-hmm. He said he felt better and more balanced at that spot than, uh, than at left tackle. And, you know, I'd like – like to see him you know hey he also said that he's that he's pretty sure austin jackson's a better left tackle than he is and he was 100 percent right so i'd like to see what else he's right on <laughs> you know and and so like um you know and i and he's 100 percent right against the odds he's 100 percent right and i say that i say that i i say that advisedly that is very much against the odds that he was right and he is right um but yeah, so I'd like to see what else he's correct on. And he says that he felt more comfortable and balanced at right tackle. And so maybe, you know, you could, you could check, but uh, the reality of the off season is you have to be quite decisive in who you go after. And, um, and that might just mean, you know, not, not doing, let's see, let's see, you know, thing with him at right tackle might just mean very decisively putting him at left guard and keeping them there and never moving him out of it. And, um, and unfortunately decisiveness is not these, uh, these guys strong suit. Yeah. And, you know, I guess we could, we could finish up here with the jets on, on this note, and then we could look ahead. Cause I did, I did some of that looking ahead with Simon and Simon was oddly optimistic. It started scaring me a little bit. Okay. To be completely honest with you, 
Since we're on a side, I don't know if that's so, a good thing. Is that a good so, thing? Or is that a he's bad so thing? against the grain. He's so against the grain of what everybody else is. But is, is, that, is that a good me. thing? Is that a good thing or is that a bad thing when Simon is what, like kind of he's optimistic? optimistic? Yes. Like, okay, but what was he optimistic about? He was optimistic about running the table to seven and seven and then talking about, and I kind of agree with him, how the Saints are imploding currently. They They're are, absolutely they are. garbage. You called uh, that last week. You were, we're, we were talking about it and you were like, Listen, they ain't scary. Yeah. And I was like, and, and okay. now Tannehill just lost to the Houston Texans throwing four interceptions. Okay. He did. And 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 all of a sudden, all the uh the people are coming out of the woodwork that have been dormant for like four years now that are that are like <laughs> yes. that are like, oh, Tannehill. he's nothing, he's nothing without Derrick Henry. He's nothing without him. <laughs> Which, you know, it's kind of proven to be true. You know, that's not that's proven. Not fair. I mean, he's 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 played three games without Derrick Henry's and, and he's and I, and he's I think he bad. I think he won two of them and and he was pretty good all the way yeah but he has a three to six uh the touchdown the interception ratio that's not good well now he does <laughs> you know I'm so, I, I, I don't care, I don't does. care which league you're playing in but you have I mean, three he touchdowns just, he and just six threw four of them <laughs> yeah he just threw four of them in, in this one game I mean yeah they get added on they get added on yeah I mean but but yeah, I mean so like in the other two what, what did he add he, he just had he had just come off a 106 passer rating against New Orleans Saints and a victory in a 23-20 I believe game. he had uh he had one touchdown no picks the game before that and he had one touchdown one pick the game before yeah. that that they won I mean, so, yeah, I think the Titans' problem is their identity is a mess. They're trying to duplicate oh. Derrick Henry by trotting out the corpse of Adrian Peterson and uh, whoever that Foreman kid is who is not good. And Jeremy Dante McNichols, Foreman? who is also not good. Yeah, Dante Foreman hasn't been good. Yeah. So they're trying to recreate Derrick Henry, and it's not working. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And Julio Jones has been a bust. That's been a bust free agent signing all season. Who? Exactly. <laughs> all right. And he's on IR now, so it doesn't even matter. And his his actually, actually his last week of IR is our week. So he could be coming back for us. You know, really? lucky us, right? right? You know, but I guess we can finish up here with on on the tool talk because we've talked enough about these Jets. And who was winning me over? He just has to. You stay healthy to a tongue of law, but you're getting better and better. One thing that pissed me off about him last year was that Denver game. They called some stuff that popped some people wide open, and it seemed like he either didn't see them or he completely ignored them. Especially one corner route to Devontae Parker that the Broncos essentially just let him go. Well, guess what? Last few weeks, people blow coverages. He gets touchdowns. And if he doesn't get touchdowns, he gets 60, 70-yard gains. Mm. We start getting that, we're working with something here. Today, really I, I tweeted that's really, out. That's really hard to develop in a quarterback. It's, it's really hard. I've seen a lot of quarterbacks. Um, that, that don't see it, it right? It's, it's really hard. When you're going through your progressions, I mean, you're reading things, it's really hard to, to operate on the basis of, yeah, but what if – yeah, yeah, but what if this guy blows it? Like, what if this guy actually comes down this way 
even though he's not supposed to, you know, he's, yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough. I mean, it's field. Did it's you hear field him? Did you hear him? It's, he develops. he must have hit he must have hit every single one of your erogenous zones. Did you hear him talk about that Mac Collins touchdown? He saw the uh, safety yeah. turn his hips. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you know what happens when a safety turns his hips to the inside route? Oh yeah, yeah. Especially especially when you're playing uh, what they were playing, which was like kind of quarters. Mm-hmm. It means that your receiver can run past a cornerback wide open. Yeah, even if and he's if Mac you get Collins. it there, it's a touchdown. He got it there. He got it there. That was a hell. I thought it was a hell of a throw on second look. On, on first look, I was like, ah, you know, what about just like everybody else? I mean, we all have the same perceptions. Um, but when I when I really took a look at it, you know, the details matter a lot. And and one thing that we're not necessarily great at, you know, on first blush, and what fans just generally aren't, is the timing of a play um and and really keeping that in mind keeping in mind those details but the guy was running vertically right from the get you know from he's running a slot fade and um and to a tongue of Iloa had you know had to wait he didn't get the ball out until over four seconds after the snap because he had to escape the pocket right off by the way seven man protection and five man rush and he still had to he still had to scramble immediately off the hitting the back foot of his drop. Um, but I, you know, for over four seconds after the snap, a guy that's been vertical the whole time, we're not talking about a double move. Um, that timing is not, is not correct. I mean, that timing is that's blown at that point, that timing um, that you're going to have to get a scramble drill at that point. Usually often guy, often the guy will be outright coming back, will be turning around and coming right back to you, you know, because, um, because that's scramble drill timing. Um, he, he, you know, he, he did as he, he actually put some heat on it, um, mm-hmm. because he wanted to get it there in a hurry. And, and it, that shows in the velocity on the, of the pass. And, um, and it was an impressive velocity for that distance. I, I I'll tell you, I, I shit you not. You know, I'm, I'm, I've always criticized this arm strength uh, going back to college, unlike some people. Um, and you know, but he heaved that with a good amount of uh, a good amount of heat, and um, it ended up being a great throw. I mean, that's why it was a touchdown. Uh, and so, you know, people criticizing it, I don't get it. Um, somebody, people saying, I don't think that was. There's nothing special about. I think. I don't want to name names, but um, there's somebody who's uh, nothing whatsoever special about that throw, and I'm like, "Are you fucking kidding me? Really? Like you? Yeah. You first of all, it was 52.32 yards in the air. It was number one for the week. It was the longest throw yeah. of the week. Right. And today I was doing Donald's show, and I asked him a simple question. I'm going to ask you too. I'm going to ask you the same question. Okay. How many 50 yard air throws were there in the NFL last season? 50 yard well wait a minute okay. 50 plus air yard throws in the NFL well, but we have to distinguish because this is this is this was 52 and a third by the way i disagree with that um that footage i think i i know i know i know why they they did that you know because i i've gone through the frame frame by frame but i i, I slightly disagree with their um their footage um but I'll, I'll leave that there. Um, but anyway, um, this is a difference between as the crow flies and the term air yards that you, that you're used to seeing in the NFL or as, as for like next gen stats and stuff like that mm-hmm. is 
from the line of scrimmage. It's like an average, it's like a depth, it's a depth of target number. Some, some sort of rags call it depth of target. Some call it air yards. Air yards is usually referred to as the, from the line of scrimmage. So if you're going to, you might be comparing apples and oranges. Um, Cause this was 52 and a third yards as the crow flies, which is not necessarily air yards. But it would have been what a little under fifty because he was almost at the line of scrimmage. Remember, he stepped up into the um, the the line of scrimmage. I believe was the thirty-five yard line, and I believe he got it to the um, uh, to the twenty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I believe he got it to the twenty. So that was that was probably forty-five. No, it was actually it wasn't it wasn't the twenty. It was I think it was the twenty one, and this is where I, I sort of have a little bit of disagreement with um with their their next gen's number, but um but about the twenty, yeah, it was about forty four yards uh, beyond the line of scrimmage, I think. Mm. Well, the answer to the question is six. That's it. Six. That's it, and they're probably all by Pat Mahomes. <laughs> I believe two were per Pat Mahomes. Yeah. Josh um, Allen had two. And oh, the of rest- course. <laughs> And then the, the rest were uh, I forget. I forget. Yeah, they were the leaders. Mahomes. No, they're definitely. If there were six, then I would definitely suspect that Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen accounted for four of them. Yeah. One of the ones against the Dolphins, by the way. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> Which was Josh Allen to John Brown. Okay, mm-hmm. that one traveled fifty-three, I believe it was when I looked it up. So yeah. That, that was one against the Dolphins. The rest, I don't know who happened. But yeah, well, yeah. people are like, why didn't he hit him in stride? I was, there's no such thing as hitting him in stride in that timing. Yeah. Over four seconds after the snap of the guy running a vertical route, there's no such thing. I'm sorry. I don't care who your quarterback is. I don't care if it's Josh Allen. I don't care if it's Mike Vick. You know, back in the day. Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing. There's no such thing. Yeah, I, I I'm getting more so more and more sold every single week because now he's starting to do he's starting to find that he's starting to find those big plays when they're available and i'm i'm at this point let's fix this line let's get him a legit number one running back because i think Tua Tungabaloa, he's already a good play action passer because i don't know if you're you looking at, at at his play action passing but his numbers are ridiculous. Well, I mean, and play who the hell's respecting RPO, right? You know, yeah. Who the hell's respecting Miles Gaskin at this point? Oh God, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, well, imagine, you know what I don't get about this, Alf. Though, imagine like, if Antonio Gibson, and there seems oh to God. be some evidence to suggest that they tried to get Antonio Gibson. Okay, imagine if he had Antonio Gibson back there. How good would Tua Tungavaloa be right now? When teams have to respect inside zone from a running back in Antonio Gibson's caliber, which is, do you, do you, do you think that that alone would do it? Or do you think it has to be, I mean, cause with this same offensive line, would Antonio Gibson be respected by anybody? Hmm. No, nah, I, I would, you know, I would still have to tinker with the line. I'd still have to bring I'd in tinker. at least three guys. There's, there's not tinkering. This yeah, is, it's this an is overhaul. not a tinker job. It's an overhaul. <laughs> it's a, yeah. When, when it's three, it's an overhaul. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, I would I would bring in at least three, at least three and a legitimate running back. I think Tua needs a legit legitimate running back. And look, I like Jalen Phillips, but let's face it, that that was a mistake. Uh, Najee Harris should have been here. Jonathan Taylor should have been here the year before, 
at least J.K. Dobbins. They scouted all those guys. Well, I mean, Javante Williams was gettable. They traded a yeah. third-round pick to move up in the second round to get Liam Eikenberg, who is, uh, mm-hmm. who's having like one of the worst left tackle seasons that I've seen, unfortunately. <laughs> I, I, liked the, I liked him coming up. I'm not trying to absolve myself of this mess. I'm just like, you know, I'm, I'm just saying. They, they traded the third-round pick to move up and get him. Uh, you know, how couldn't, couldn't they have traded that to, to get Javante Williams instead? And Javante Williams is averaging five yards a carry this year. He's very good. He's doing, he's very good. He's he's very good. I mean, could, couldn't they have gotten Michael Carter who was dicing the fuck out of us yesterday? Um, couldn't they have gotten him in the third round instead of, uh, instead of a fourth string tight end who can't even be active on game games, but, oh no, we swear he's going to be awesome. You know, like yeah they could have i mean there's 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 a lot of sin here um and it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be isolated to you know just cherry picking who ended up the best like jonathan taylor or um or you know something like that because or or Najee or even Najee harris because you know i don't have i know the simons disagrees about jalen phillips and and i don't think jalen phillips has really been good this year yet but I, I do see a future for him. Um, or at least I, I, I'm not, I'm not unseeing his future based on what he's doing this year. I think that he's, I think he's still got it. Um, but anyway, I, I don't have a problem with that pick instead of Najee Harris. I really don't. I would have preferred Jason OA or, um, uh, again, I forget his name has, uh, has changed name, but, um, I would have preferred Jason OA, but, um, but still, um, I don't have a problem with this. I don't want to cherry pick like individual. There's, there's a lot of things they could have done. There are a lot of things they could have done by now with that running back position. And they refuse to do any of them. Any yeah, of them. And they have to, they have to, they have to be seeing what I'm seeing, which is you have a quarterback that could forget another next step. I'm talking about moving into another stratosphere. Can you imagine Tua Tungvaloa if he had Christian McCaffrey behind him? Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine I mean, that's, that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and if the, the line was halfway decent, too, like even just yes. halfway decent, like with, yeah. 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 That's, I mean, that's, that is, that is what he was at Al. It's easy to imagine it. We saw it. Yeah. We saw it at Al. That's what he had. I mean, we, we can talk about, we can talk about um, the first round receivers and all that. Um, and, and yeah, that's, a, that's fair to bring up, but Alabama's offense with Tua Tonga Vailoa at the helm wasn't built on that. It was built on the ground game, you know, it was built with the, the studs at running back that they always recruit. If you look at the history there, um, the studs at running back, they always recruit. And then the big uglies on the offensive line and the fact that they're going to just pulverize anybody that tries to play two safeties back. Um, and, and then, and then once you start doing, once you start bringing somebody up a little bit more, um, that's when the RPO game gets you and, you know, that's, and then they go the play pass game and then, you know, then the crossers and then, you know, all this stuff. Um, and, and he, he was built, his college career was built on that. And that's what he, that's what you need with not, it's not what you need with him. Cause I think he's getting by just fine this year. Uh, even with a terrible, terrible ass offensive line, but um, but if you have that, imagine, like, wow, yeah, I have imagined. But, you know, 
Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you. I'm sure you thought about it uh, very intensely uh, in the dark uh, at night with a with a with a jar of Vaseline. But um, Vaseline, Ugh, that's kind of <laughs> abrasive, isn't it? It's kind of abrasive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not for me, not for me. Vaseline, not, not for, for me. No, no. Does Manscaped have a product for this? They do not, and they should. They you know, they should. You know, they should. They should. You know? They need to round out the set. Yeah, they, Boy, they should have it, but topic? they don't. Okay. How do we get on that topic? Jesus. <laughs> That's my Yeah. Fault. Well, you know, we did. Oh, I opened the show with with uh, with Simon, and Simon said nothing says Thanksgiving like having shaved balls. And oh. I don't know where to go with that. You know what I mean? Like, you could be thankful. And I said, yeah. And I and I did an ad for, for Manscaped, and I said that you could be thankful for your health, for your family, for whatever success you've attained in this year, mm-hmm. and for shaved balls. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, there's no there's no follow up on that. Thanksgiving <laughs> no shaved balls. All right, let's look ahead. All right, because Simon and I we we were talking about we we're like you know this is Armageddon here on Sunday. Like this is you know this is the last stand at the Alamo. I guess we get past this yeah. one, we should be home free. Dolphins are home for a month, Chris. A month. That means. Tua is here at his house in Winston, and he ain't, he ain't leaving for a month. They're here. They just they could go from the practice facility to across the street to the stadium to play three games. All right. Mm-hmm. It starts with the Panthers on Sunday. They move on to the Giants. Then they have a bye week, and they play the Jets. I think the Jets shot their shot. I think we're gonna face Zach Wilson or Kyle Wilson, however you want to call him. In that game, because they're gonna have to try to get him some experience. I think I they think tried Kyle to... Wilson is better than Zach Wilson, Pro- possibly. Okay, and I think they shot their shot with with Joe Flacco. I think they tried to get too cute, and it just didn't work for them. But it was a good I, run. You know, Joe was, Flacco played it, very you know, well. It, I I agree with you there. That they shot their shot there. There was a specific reason for it, based on what the Dolphins had shown with the zero blitzes and stuff. And you know what? He was the answer. He was the best answer to that. Yes, he was. That they could come up with. And By the way, God bless Mike Evans. He just got me a touchdown and iced my fantasy game this week. Phenomenal. But but he was, and I, you know, he wasn't enough. Certainly, he wasn't enough. But um, but he was a good answer. People were all like, "Oh, you know, guess what? You play soft zone against Joe Flacco, and he dices you up, but you blitz him, and he's uh, well." No, I mean he was actually beating our blitz, and that was part, yes. part of the big part of the issue. And that that big um, that big touchdown they threw to Elijah Moore was just perfect. Like it was just just perfect way to beat it. Um, and he's a guy with a big enough arm that and and tall enough and a big enough yes. arm that 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 is key. he can go backwards. He can go backwards and just buy that little bit of extra time, and then just uh, just deliver a football, and um, and that's what that's exactly what you need. That's what you have to worry about um, with this approach. Yeah. So begs the question: Can they pull this off, Chris? You talking about run run straight against Carolina, New York Giants, and New York Jets? Yeah, run the think- run the Miami table. Can they do it? Because if they do, they are seven and seven. To be fair, they're favored in all three games, by the way. Line came out. It was Mm -hmm. Pickham. It's now minus one Miami. Okay. Okay. So they're favored in all three games. Can they run this Miami table? Because if they do, they are seven and seven. And you know that in-hunt graphic? They might not even be in the hunt graphic, okay? Okay. They might be in the 
seventh seed by then if they could run this Miami table. Can they do it? I don't think they do. I think over the next three games, they drop one of them. And if I had to guess, I mean, well, the easy answer is it's either going to be the Panthers game or the Giants game. Let's keep in mind that, hey, they had a really they had a really great opportunity to establish a home a home field thing against the Atlanta Falcons mm-hmm. and Tua throws four fucking touchdowns in the game. Yep. And the defense just, you know, lays down. And that's what I, that's what I'm, that's what I'm really wary of too, is because yes, they have, they have gotten back to some of what they did last year and have started to play better defensively and Raekwon Davis is back and, and he's helping against the run. And, and I think there's, there's a lot of, lot to like there. Um, but at the same time, I knew I had a stat. Sorry to interrupt you. Right. Do you know uh, where they're, where they rank again and yards given up per game with Raekwon Davis in the lineup? He only played against new England, right? Yes. And then, so, he and, then, missed. and then he missed. Yeah. Well, missed it's, it's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be good because new England, they only allowed like 260 yards. And then the last, like the last four games, well, I guess the jets got a lot of yards, didn't they? Or no, wait, no, sorry. No, new England. Oh shit. No, they allowed a lot of yards against new England. Oh, I don't against know. New England, well, against New England, he only played what? Eight snaps, nine snaps. Oh yeah, you're right. He didn't. He didn't really play that much of that. But game. that game, only, that game is in the calculation though, because it's handful. in games, in games that Raekwon Davis has played this season. Okay. It is in the calculation. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Miami's okay. ranked third. Okay. Against the run. Really? Yes. All, all told, third, all third told. in average yards a game. Yes. Wow. Against the run. Yes. Oh, against the run. Oh, my yes, against bad. The okay. Run. Okay. I get you. Against the run. That's, Without that's him, a... do you want to know? Without, what? No, I don't want to know. <laughs> yeah, 29th. Uh-huh. 29th. Yeah. So 29th, third. Which one would you rather be? Yeah. Well, <laughs> okay. I, again, getting back to the Atlanta game, it's it, the fact that the defense laid down in that game at home. Um, is what would concern me about these upcoming home games against the Carolina Panthers and the New York Giants. Not so much the Jets because, you know, I, I just – it's hard to respect them at this point. But um, but against the Carolina Panthers and the New York Giants, yes, we should win those games. Yes, we will be favored in those games. But um, this defense is now in a position, in an unfortunate position. They played basically four straight good games, and they're not allowed – they're not allowed to slip up. They're not allowed to let up and have, you know, the sort of bad game that basically any unit has every now and then, you know, once in a, I, I'm not sure they're really allowed to do it because I'm not sure that the, the offense can bail them out of a bad performance. They, the offense, you know, the offense tried to bail them out of an off a, a bad performance against the, the Atlanta Falcons and still didn't get the job done. I mean, and I mean, it was, combination obviously the defense is what really laid down but that's what worries me about the panthers and the giants i think they're going to drop one of those because exactly because of that all right so you don't so you don't think that the turnaround has been complete on the defense no but i do think they could be i do think they could be 500 after the saints game now hmm well can they be because that would be 15 games it's impossible so so you they have to tie a game then Shit, I, I, I did my I did my math wrong there. No. Yeah, they could be five hundred yeah, after right. the Tennessee game. <laughs> uh, hmm. 
They could be no. a paltry eight and eight after the <laughs> Tennessee you, you, game. I don't. I think Tannehill has like revenge game against us. There's no way in hell we're losing to Tannehill. <laughs> no, I'm calling I, I, it right now. Really? Like, that's a win. That that one's, I think like that one's in I the think bag. that's that's exactly the sort of game. Like Adrian Peterson looks like the Adrian Peterson of old for some reason against us. I don't and then know. Ryan, I've, and then I've Ryan Tannehill them. wins it because he gets to be Ryan Tannehill. That's he getting hard to, to believe because I've watched them in two games and Adrian Peterson doesn't look like the Adrian Peterson of anything. Like he doesn't look like Adrian Peterson. <laughs> That's somebody else. In that I uniform. mean, from your lips to God's ears, I hope so. But um, I, I happen to think they're going to drop one against the Panthers and Giants. But I also think that they could come away from the next four games going three and one, essentially, um, which I guess would put them at seven and eight. All right, now uh, I asked uh, Simon this trivia question. I think you you know it though, because I, I heard you talking about it. Dolphins have shared a division with the Bills, Jets, Patriots, and Colts. By the way, okay, they have never trailed in the season series against any of them except one. Who was the one team that they trailed against? Wait, name them against Bills, Jets, Patriots, Colts. They've never trailed in the series. In the meaning series. that once they got incorporated, they started off one and zero, and then since then it was uh, bang, bang, bang. They never trailed in the series except to one of those teams. Um, I suspect, I suspect that they trailed against the Colts at some point. No, never trailed against the Colts. Forty-six and twenty-eight all time. Okay. Okay. It was against the Jets. And here's oh, the really? stat. Yes. Going into, yeah, against the Bills, they're 60 and 51 with one tie all time. Against the Patriots, they're 57 and 52 with no ties. Okay. okay. Against the Jets, going into yesterday, they were 55 and 55 Ooh. with one tie. So they now have the lead in the season series, in the all time series against the Jets at 56, 55, and one. Do you know? How long the Jets held the series lead? Is 21 it... years. Did they really? Yes. Dolphins last had the lead in the series in 1999. Which is interesting this because the, the Dolphins have won nine out of the last 10 against the Jets. To you know essentially makes... tie it and overtake them by one. That sort of makes sense because you know I kind of remember those early those those early two thousands like the Jets were the you know the Jets were the biggest rivalry rivalry for us because it was like you know forget forget that the Pats were so good in winning Super Bowls and stuff like that the Jets shouldn't be beating us but they did <laughs> like the Jets the the Jets shouldn't be winning games but they had been you know, going back in the nineties and stuff. And, and then in the two thousands and it was, it was very maddening. So it always just felt like this is, this is like the guy at your level that you do get out with Patriots are just too far above us. Yeah. And it's, it's really funny to look at the, at, uh, at all these season series, you know, and see who they're actually, you know, bad against, you know, they're like, they absolutely destroy the Bengals they're 17 and 7 all time against them really <laughs> yes so and they, they they murder the Rams they're 12 and 2 against the Rams <laughs> yeah I was gonna say I was gonna mention the Rams actually I think you know I I, I thought that would 
if I if you had to pick if I had to pick a team that they have the best record against, like who their best opponent is, um, or no, who they they have the best record against as an opponent, I would say I would have said the Rams. Yeah, and you know I felt like uh, we always lose to the Ravens. Their all time against the Ravens is seven and eight. Is that right? Yes, that not be right. Well, I'm really? staring at it. <laughs> okay, head to head franchise records against. The Baltimore Ravens, seven and eight against the Cowboys, seven and seven all time. Like other uh, historical teams, uh, the Steelers, 11 and 13 against the Steelers, nine and nine against the Cleveland Browns, 10 and five against the Packers. So a winning record against the Packers. Nice. All right. So, yeah. And the team that they played the most is the Buffalo Bills, and they're 60 and 51 with one tie against the Bills. Unfortunately, they have a one and three playoff record against the Bills. Yeah, that's why that's why they have so many games against them. They played them in the playoffs a lot. Yeah. All right. Let's talk a little Carolina Panthers here, very, very briefly. Uh, right. I talked to, I was speaking to Simon, and we were talking about our concerns. How do you? Uh, first of all, Cam Newton's going to start. Like we know that. Okay. I don't think he's improved as a passer, but that team has a little bit of juice. They they just finished losing to the. Washington football team at home. But I think that's a deceptive five and six record. They are better than their five and six, just like we're probably better than our four and seven. Mm-hmm. You look at their defensive personnel, it's they're kind of stacked. They play a lot of DBs. They play a lot of different coverages. They do run some blitzes, but Hassan Reddick and Brian Burns off the edge. That's a problem. Derek Brown inside is a good player. Morgan Fox is a good player. Shaq Thompson's a good player. Their two safeties are really good, Jeremy Chen and Justin Burris. So there's talent there. Stephon Gilmore is playing well. You know, the defense is good. But my concern is what are you doing about Christy McCaffrey? Are you blitzing yeah, to keep him, keep him blocking? Or are you going to play some zone? How, well, you know how do you think, what, what do you think the approach <laughs> is going to be? Because against Cam Newton last year, but remember, this was New England last year when they played Cam Newton the second time. They blitzed the hell out of him. But really, who was he throwing to at that point? You know yeah. what I mean? I don't know. What do you think is their approach this week defensively? Because I think this is the game. They get this one, they're running the Miami gauntlet, and we're 7-7 seven and seven and doing a pretty hot podcast against uh, for that game against the Saints. Uh you know, their answer, I mean, if when it comes to Christian McCaffrey, do they blitz to keep him in? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's actually kind of easy um, because they're committed to this. I think they're committed to this approach. Um, Cam Newton is a big, strong arm quarterback. Yes, he can back up and uh, and and complete some passes, but I think they're going to challenge him to do that. Because, you know, there might be rust, there might be, you know, maybe he gets a little bit too greedy and tries to make something happen. And then then there's indecisiveness because, you know, he's trying to make something happen against guys that are right in his face. I think I think they're going to go after this is another one that they're going to go after. Um, And I don't know, it seems like this year they've sort of turned the whole last year there was this very well-established thing um, where they were, they were doing poorly against good scrambler or scramblers and, and mobile quarterbacks. Um, 
this year it seems like it's turned on its head. It's the opposite. Um, it's it's the opposite. Um, we're we're getting we're getting diced up by some of the some of the and and we saw we just saw it we just saw it against the Jets. You know when was Joe Flacco, you know at his best and and able to to beat us like he was you know he's it was as Adam Archuleta nightmares saying, of Matt Ryan pulling all those passes out of his ass. Right. Stuff. I mean, it was, it was as Adam Archuleta just kept saying, and I can't believe I quoted and quoting him, but, um, <laughs> but he, you know, it's his ability to find answers and, um, and that's against Miami's blitz attack. So, uh, so that's where, that's where we're struggling this year. Well, Cam Newton's not that. So I think they are going to go after him. I think they are going to make him go backwards and see if he can, he can, find the answers calmly and um and and think and be accurate and uh we'll see um but uh i that's that's how it's going to happen especially especially i mean when you've got two guys in the backfield that you really that you really got to fear in cam newton and christian mccaffrey then what do you do you go after the backfield (laughs) yep you know you stop them before they get started you go, you go out there, you go out there and you blitz both of them and you can blitz a running back. And that's what Miami's going to do. Yeah. And uh, I know that everybody's thinking, well, but what about, uh, and I love DJ Moore. That guy's a player. All right. I'd love to and have D- DJ Moore, Terrace Marshall, Robbie Anderson. That's a nice group. Oh, Robbie Cam Anderson. Can- Robbie Anderson's Dolphins killer. Yeah. But I don't think Cam Newton can get it to those guys. I've seen him play too much for two yeah. seasons already. And I'm not going to call his arm shot. He just doesn't have the arm he used to have. You know. Well, I think this is, we're getting him at a good time too because he he played a little bit against the the Raven or no, sorry. Um, what am I what am I thinking here? Um, he played a little bit against the uh, the Cardinals, right? And yeah. Um, and then uh, and then he just you know played this game against Washington Football Team. Yeah. And um, and now we're getting him into that third game where I think that like you know the the fresh energy is going to be coming off him a little bit as far as uh as far as what he has physically yep and and it, so if if his arm really is as shot as it looked at you know a lot last year um we're going to start to see it in this game so so there's a fair chance here mm-hmm. and uh Simon has said something interesting about this defense because I do look at this defense and I just I like what they have uh you know I like that personnel I like our personnel on defense. I like their personnel too. Mm-hmm. And Simon says something that I kind of agree with. Two is either going to cut them up or he's going to have an awful game against this group. How do you think he attacks this group? Because I think they're going to play. They're going to play a lot of DBs. I believe it's Miami, New England, and Carolina has the most uh, dime uh, has lined up in dime the most this season. Is that yeah. true? First of all, and. Second well, of all, do you, how do you see? I don't know that actually. How do you see Tua attacking that defense? Because they're essentially a mirror image of what we do. Except, I mean, I, except with I don't, I don't know if they use dime, dime the most. I, I haven't really, I haven't really looked that up. Um, I, I have a feeling. Listen, I don't know that Miami is going to go into any game this year thinking we're going to pass the ball a bunch with Tua and win this game that way. And 
some people, oh, that means that they don't like him. They don't. Well, you know what? The Seattle Seahawks were winning Super Bowls with Russell Wilson, who's one of the best passers in the NFL. And they went in with the same mentality for like the first four years of his existence in the NFL. So, um, so I mean, and I, I think that Miami is thinking along those lines with him. So, no, I don't think. I don't think so. I don't think that that's, that's their, their mindset heading in. I don't think, I mean, to put him at the mercy of those pass rushers, those outside pass rushers that exactly are weakness, the tackles. Um, I just don't see it. That's uh, those, those cornerbacks, like they have a good secondary. Dante Jackson, yeah. AJ Boye, Keith Taylor, Stefan Gilmore, CJ Henderson. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of signs that they really want to establish this this ground game and Mm. and get this going. And this might be the game where there's like, you know, who knows? Maybe it works. But I I definitely think they're going to try to. Yeah. By the way, uh, I didn't ask Simon, but quick review. I liked what I saw from Duke Johnson in this game. Looks quick, right? Looks fresh. We'll see in the second game. There's often this thing where it's like the first game when they get here. Yeah. It's like it's it's like the the fresh energy thing, mm-hmm. and um, let's see what happens when he has to when he, I mean you're you're right I mean the, I think everybody should have seen, probably should have seen that like that he that he did pretty well in this game, mm-hmm. um, but you know let's see on the second let's see on the follow up because I I got a feeling that that could have been like you know first game fresh fresh energy type thing. Mm-hmm. Well, um, this will we'll be see. his homecoming. This will be his homecoming. So, yeah. Well, yeah. I got Simon on the record. He says a field goal either way. He finally settled on Jason Sanders redeeming himself. And we both had the same score, 24-21. Dolphins come out on top. Jason Sanders is the hero. What say you? God damn it. <laughs> You're going to be the dark cloud? I want to be, I really want to be, but at the same time, I'm not sure we lose to Cam Newton. Mm-hmm. Well, just, that's, that's who it's going to have to be. Cause he's starting. I know. I'm, I'm just, I'm just not sure that we lose to Cam Newton. Um, man, I really, but I really, I really think that this is the game. This, you know, between this and between this and the following week against Daniel Jones, I'd gotta, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta say that this is more likely, but, um, uh, you know, I just don't think we lose to Cam Newton. I think this could be a 23-20 ball game for Miami. All right, and we're all we're all in agreement. By the way, this is a milestone. All right, since we're calling the sh- the the show right here, this is the first ever two-hour edition of Three Yards Per Carry. Hope you enjoy it because it's the only show you're going to get this holiday week. All right, so I guess when we talk to you again. We will have results, and we will know if the if this running of the Miami Gauntlet is possible. That's it. There is no more. We will talk to you again on Monday. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, 
everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.